0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Bluewire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Bluewire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things buffalo with your host, Patrick Moran. All right. What is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to a very special Wednesday episode of Talking Buffalo, part of the Blue Air Network, my third annual Podcasters Roundtable. I've been blessed to have these same three guests on now, all three times. This is from Buffalo content creators geared today towards other content creators, Buffalo or from wherever, or people who may be interested in content creation. And it's also a chance for fans to uh, get to know a little bit more on the personal side about these three guys and their and their shows and their process and everything that goes into uh, making these shows. Um, let me do introductions real quick because this is on video on youtube but also obviously on the audio side as well i'm joined today by the host of the bruce exclusive on buffalo rumblings one of the best known and respected uh content creators certainly in this market bruce nolan what's going on bruce how you doing
2: it's a party all the time man disco (laughs) balls dancers the whole thing
1: sure is man i'm also joined by co-host of the cover one buffalo podcast and also host of the brand new greg thompson sports show that Here's Friday Night Live, 9 p.m. on uh, the Cover One YouTube channel. A good friend, Greg Thompson. What's going on, Greg? How are you doing?
3: Good, good. It's a, it's a wonderful day. Had a, a fun weekend with the family and looking forward to uh, talking with some
1: of my favorite people. Yeah, me too, man. And then the one out of us four that actually does this for a living, the host of Locked On Bills, co-founder of the Draft Network, one of my favorite people, and I mean that, man. One of my favorite people and uh, one of the very best podcasters, not just in Buffalo, but anywhere, uh, Joe Marino. What's going on,
4: dude? How you doing? Pat, I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me on. I'll tell you what, you you reached out a couple weeks ago about, you know, if I was going to be in town to do one of those live recordings and yeah. having the pizza, now that's what I want to do. I mean, this is cool, <laughs> but that's what I want.
1: Yeah, Thursday night's Imperial Pizza starting this week. Actually, Tyler Dunn's going to be joining me for uh, – First show, I'm very excited about that, and I'm also excited. By the way, this is I don't know if I told you guys or not. This is actually the five year anniversary of this podcast. I started five years ago this week, so it's a great thrill to be able to have you three on. Like I said, three of the the best known, the most respected uh, podcasters. I I hate saying Buffalo because that's kind of selling things short. You know what I mean? Just football podcasts and and just sports in general. And today, like I said, I kind of have six or seven topics that I think people can um, learn a lot from you guys. So I'm just going to kind of have a, like I said, a round table discussion. I'll bring up a question and then I'll go around to each of you guys and hear what you guys have to say about it. So let's just get it going out right away. Uh, my first question was this. I, so, you know, we've all been at this for a while now and, and there's peaks and there's valleys for for different reasons when we're doing our shows, whether you're doing it for a hobby, whether you're doing it uh, professionally, so let's start here. I want to go around and ask you what some of your tips are to like stay sharp and stay motivated, you know when you go through these valleys, because it can be hard. you know sometimes it can be hard to find that energy and that motivation. We all got things going on in our personal lives or just professional lives, all kinds of other stuff. So I, uh, let's start with you, Bruce. Like what are, what are a couple of your tips for for staying sharp and staying motivated when sometimes it's not that easy to do?
2: I think the key for me when it comes to staying sharp, staying motivated at something that can be very much a grind when it comes to uh, year round content is to make sure that you're balancing the stuff that you feel like you have to do with the stuff that you would like to do. And I think that what we do is we get caught up in trying to chase the things that we believe that the audience wants to hear, whatever that content may be. Well, you know, it's we're coming up on free agency, so I kind of feel like I'd be missing out if I didn't do a top free agent podcast. What? or There's nobody who said you had to do that. Now, you can if you'd like to. And I'm sure that people will respond seasonally to what is going on. But if you want to do a musical episode before training camp, <laughs> you just do a musical episode before training camp. You have to be able to balance the things that you feel like you need to do with the things that you want to do, because you don't want to just make a podcast that's very self-serving entirely, right? You do want to make sure that you are providing the audience something that you think that they are benefiting from, but you cannot lose the idea that you're supposed to enjoy it, right? The the point is you're supposed to enjoy it. Even if it is a full-time job, it's still better to enjoy it than to not enjoy it. So you have to balance out the things that you feel like you need to do, specifically seasonally, with the stuff that you'd like to do. I did an entire podcast last off season on Greek. We were talking about Greek. We had a huge part of the podcast was talking about Greek phrases and how many different words there are for love and things like that, because I felt like it was relevant. Now it's kooky, but you know what? I enjoyed it. And so when I was done, I didn't spend a whole lot of time after I was done recording thinking, gosh, I sure hope that no one gets mad at me for it. You know what? No, I did it because I wanted to do it because I thought it was fun. And I'm a weirdo, so I did some weird podcasts. But you have to be able to balance that stuff out. Greg is going to do the uh, Cover One 2023 version of the Cap Extravaganza. He loves that podcast. One of his favorite things he does year-round, right? He would do it if 10 people listened because he likes to do it. That's the point. And so there's certain things that we're going to do that you need to do it for you. So we have to balance out that idea that you're doing it for them because you are doing it for an audience, but you're also doing it for you
1: good point uh greg let's go to you by the way again you're already doing cover one you guessed on a lot of other shows as well and now you're taking on your own sports show live on friday nights how do you uh how do you balance that like what are some of your tips to stay sharp and motivated
3: oh yeah bruce is spot on and it's the same realm i would touch on it's you're only going to be good and entertaining if you're passionate and interested in the content so um, I have to lean a little more analytical, a little more, not serious, but people expect me to provide information and analysis on Cover One Buffalo. They expect me to have accurate contract projections. Now, as Bruce said, I'm also nerdy about that, and I like it, and I feel challenged by the fact that people see me as some some semblance of a source of information in the financial realm of that. But I also have created kind of a niche that can also be almost pigeonholing myself. Um, So that was part of the idea and and motivation for wanting to branch out in that. I also wanted to do more lighthearted, goofy, fun stuff, because that's more of what my personality is and what more of what I'm comfortable with with so so much of the greg thompson sports show idea was people i goof around with and talk with all the time in dms and like why do i use the gifts i use well that's really funny it's what i hear in my head why don't i just put that video clip in here and say that out loud and um we've had a lot of fun with it and that idea has been very motivating for me to find things that I'm passionate about. And then like Bruce said, I, I really hope it's more than 10 people, but if it is 10 people, God <laughs> bless them. Me and those 10 people are going to have a great time.
1: <laughs> what about you, Joe? Now, again, you, you do this for a living. So it's not you know, you really don't have a choice. This is how in <laughs> large part you feed your family. So you better find a way to get motivated. But like, what are some of your, uh, your best tips for people out there watching or listening to this?
4: Yeah, I appreciate the question. and And I really like what Bruce and Greg shared there um I don't know that I I get into deep valleys very often I still feel very energized and passionate about doing podcasts and uh doing two daily podcasts I've, I've been doing draft dudes since 2016 lockdown mm-hmm. bills since 2019 and so I, I feel just very grateful that I get to do this and and I try to be a good steward of the opportunity or at least the best steward of the opportunity that I can be and so part of that's keeping yourself in check and and allowing um the way you attack your work to line up with being grateful and, and trying to be a good steward of the opportunity. Now, I do have lazy moments. That, that's something I will admit. And when those do creep in, I just remember all the people that are counting on me. And I, I find myself burdened for my audience, and I want to be consistent and reliable for them. And funnily enough, don't know if funnily is a word, but I'm going with it. Um, <laughs> recently, it was, it, was the, it was at the Senior Bowl. And I was planning on going from the senior bowl to the super bowl. And that wound up not happening. My wife got sick. Uh, My in-laws were on a cruise. I mean, there's just, it was a perfect storm situation. I had to come home, right. Got a three-year-old daughter. I had to come home. And it resulted in me getting in a car and like carpooling seven hours to somewhere in like the middle of South Carolina. And then my in-laws who were coming back from their cruise actually picked me up at, a co-worker's house in South Carolina and took me the rest of the way I get home to a sick wife it's late I didn't have time to record that Monday episode of lockdown bills on Sunday like I just couldn't do it and I was I was you know so many people reached out to me and was like didn't like they didn't know what to do like it wasn't there for them and (laughs) and um you know they they were like like my entire day felt weird and I, I'm i grateful for that, right? That means a lot to me. And and I I try to I mean I think I am very consistent with it, but like sometimes that happens, right? And I'm I just whenever I choose to be lazy, I overcome that by reminding myself the people that are relying on me and and my desire to be consistent and reliable.
1: That's a great point. Uh let me stick with you here too, Joe. Like you've been doing this for a while. We've all been doing this for a while. Like I said, this is actually our third annual round table here. What's changed over the last couple of years? in your opinion the most about podcasting
4: i think the biggest thing for me is the the video element right which is technically not podcasting but it is it when i provide a youtube version of lockdown bills every day it's literally just the recording of me doing the podcast there's not a whole lot of like visual elements to it that add much but being able to connect with your audience in the most convenient way for them is really important and being, having a presence on YouTube is, is critical. And so if you're listening to this and you're doing a podcast, you've got to be on YouTube. Uh, there's no better way to be discovered, right? Like You're on Google. People watch YouTube videos. They know that you like the bills and they're going to put your content in front of them for free. Well, you you got to do it. You have to do it. And so embracing the video element to the podcast has been the biggest change. And I'll be honest with you, it's created it it's created a more efficient workflow for me, which I did not expect because now I do the podcast in one take I'm, I'm not I'm not going to edit video that's just not going to be my the world that I'm going to live in that's not my strength now if I have a major problem i you know I'll go through and i'll I'll splice it and figure it out but it's because I want to do it in one take, it's created just a much quicker recording because if if I just doing the audio recording and I did this for a million times and i've I think I've even sent Bruce some pictures of like the amount of audio splices that I've done in a typical podcast. It's like no joke, 2025 20, different edits for a 35 minute show. And so now I can do it in one take. So it's been, it's been great for discovery. It's great for my workflow. There's no downside except for I have to like, think about what I'm wearing <laughs> or, you know, like make sure my beard's not out of control or something like that. Like that's, that's been the biggest difference, but yeah, did, the did video feel, element's huge.
1: Did you feel a little bit of pressure like early on when you're doing this now in one take? You know what I mean? As you were talking about, when there wasn't no video side or it was an audio side only, you'd go back and do a lot of editing. Yeah. You're like, oh, if I screw up, whatever. But now you kind of know, you know, you got one take unless you you don't want to have to go back and have to do all that editing now. So did it take a little bit to get used to?
4: Yes, it sure did. But what it also made me do is talk a little slower, be a little more calculated focus a little bit you and know, just dialed in all the time. Right. So it, it's, it's, it was an adjustment, but I am grateful for it because there's, there's not been any downside to it.
3: I, I'm absolutely taking partial credit for that. And <laughs> in talking to Joe before it, we, we've gone through it in that, Oh, mm-hmm. wow, you know, going live immediately after games. And part of it is you realize your brain's also aware when you don't have a pause or stop or edit button and your brain is aware when you do have a pause or stop or edit button and your ability to continue to keep going and to stay focused and attentive to it, even if there's maybe a small little piece that before it might've been just enough of a trigger for you to be like, well, I think I could do better than that. Mm -hmm. Now, once you get into that, you realize if when you go back and listen, Oh, that actually sounded very clean and was good. And they, you know, I Joe, in hindsight, you probably realized there were things you were probably more you know, uh, critical of on yourself. Yeah, others didn't even pick up on a notice.
4: Right, you didn't have to do those edits. And in, in many of the cases, hundred percent. And people, people are more gracious than you think. If you have to say "excuse me" or something like that, or or just yeah. r- repeat something because you said someone's last name the wrong way, like. Nobody comes back and says, "Hey Joe, you know what? Great podcast, but I did not appreciate when you corrected the way you pronounce Cory Bohorquez's last name." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if if you could tighten that up, I'll keep listening, sure. right? It doesn't happen. People are gracious. They understand you're a real human. What about you, Greg? Um so I I think that was that was well
3: said. I also I'll say one of the things that's changed for me is I'm going to compare us to uh the conversations you hear with like modern athletes versus you know, previous athletes like, oh, what would Anthony Edwards be like if he played basketball in the 60s and things like that? There's so many people, there's so much technology, there's so much equipment, everything that's there. There's a lot of competition. Like the the barrier for entry is really low. Like <laughs> it's not hard to pick up and start and host a show. Yeah. And that's motivating to me from a, a competition standpoint to feel like I I can't just rest on my laurels. I know all four of us have done this enough for the most part, 90% of things you you could walk into and just press record, and we'd probably be okay. We'd be able to make it through an awful lot of what's there. It's not always easy not to rest on that. To be like, yeah, it's fine. I'll be all right. To continue to research, to continue to educate ourselves, to continue to find different creative ways to bring things to the table that Bruce joked about the show coming up Wednesday night. It, it is one of my favorite shows every week or every year. I've tried to bring new things this year, different challenges I've brought to the guys like, Hey, this is what I want you to research. Here's what I want you to bring forward. Here's how we're going to track it. Here's what we're going to do to show what we've captured and created as the show goes on and how much caps we have built up and how we're going to track that and then turn that into a graphic Because I've taken feedback from different things before. And I know there's other sites, other shows, other places that do salary cap work. And if I want to be seen as a source of information for that, I have to raise my game. I have to step up and and be able to bring more value to what we're putting together. So I like this sense of competition in that I can't just do the same old thing and assume it's going to succeed. I have to be able to continue to bring more and hopefully... That improves the product people get to enjoy.
1: Let me ask you a follow-up question as well. So, Joe, you know, on a day-to-day basis, does his show solo. I mean, you do other shows as well, and you have guests on. And Bruce has kind of been a hybrid. Bruce has been part of a show. Bruce does his own show. You, for the most part, you know, you do the show with Aaron. And like I said, you do a lot of other cover one stuff. But now, starting with just your show literally last week, this is as far as I know, anyway, this is your first venture into like solo a show that's just you. I mean, you'll have a guest on for a a part of your show, but for the most part, it's just you talking by yourself. Are You definitely feel like that's a big adjustment compared to what you've done previously.
3: Uh, Huge. It's by far the the biggest thing we've talked about. I I have a a team of people that's helping me with the show that, that have been awesome. It was the number one thing coming away from the show. Like, all right, once I got to like minute 40 with no breaks, no stops, me talking every minute and every moment in your mind of if I'm not talking, that's just dead air. That really hit me, and that it, it was an immediate discussion of, okay, how can we address that? We're actually going to pre-record a couple different things or more things so that I can insert that and just have that part as a break in between to drink while it's going. So it'll appear live to the full audience the whole time, but there will be segments of it that I recorded earlier that day or the night before. Mm-hmm. Um there are gonna be a couple things that I'm going to try to build in just to give myself that moment for a drink to clear my throat to rest for a moment. But uh Friday night, once I got like beyond minute 40, I could literally like feel it in my throat <laughs> of going through and like just the entire time. Like, all right, I gotta, I gotta be more conscious of this here and, and how to pace it. So I had a little bit of a stretch. Aaron took a break at one point from the show for a couple months. months. Um, and I did a fair amount of those solo. And mm-hmm. I remember some of the same challenges there, but it's a, uh, it's definitely much, much different. I have a lot of respect for people who can
1: run a full solo show. What about you, Bruce? What's changed the most over the last few years?
2: I think the video thing that Joe brought up is a particular interesting point for me. And so I think you had to make a call when you are me. You have to decide what you're going to do. And, and Joe's point was well-taking. He so said basically, you know, hey, you know, if you want to be out there, and you want to be in front of people, with you, you got to do this, right? So I have to make a call. So individually, I have to make a call as to whether or not I would like to do a show that is literally an icon of the show blinking as my wavelengths go up and down, or whether or not I'm going to say, you know what, that's just a part of this that I don't get to have. And I think that as the podcast community, as the content creation community evolves, I think you really have to decide where your boundaries are. And for me, I just said, you know what? That's, that's a thing that I don't get to have. That's a thing that I fully recognize will impact negatively my ability to reach as many people as possible. I just, I just accept that. That is just a real thing. And so you just acknowledge that I can't have that and I don't get to have nice things all the time. And that's okay. Right. And you acknowledge the effect that that will have negatively on your impact and your reach. And you just go with it because the world is going to continue to adjust. Things are going to have to continue to adjust, and your responsibilities, the stuff that is put on you, will keep increasing. You have to decide when you say, you know what? No, I'm not going to do that. And you have to make the call, eyes open, knowing exactly what you're getting into and the effects that it's going to have on you. Well, the content creation community, everybody's standing on their head. Cool. Well, I, I can't stand on my head. So I guess I just don't get to do that thing. You know, uh, there's, um, you know, TikTok social media, right? And they have all these trends on TikTok social media. And you go, well, you know what? I can't do the dance like that guy can do the dance. Well, I guess I just don't get to do this then. I don't get to have that viral TikTok that has me doing that funny dance because I can't do that funny dance. And that's essentially my approach to video. Now, I was very fortunate to be able to do a live show with Nate Geary for two years. That was food for thought. And I really thoroughly enjoyed it. But the only reason I was able to do it is because I had one side of the screen filled with a particularly animated guy on video. No one was gonna look at me even if the camera was on. (laughs) Even if I had a camera, I don't even own a web camera. I couldn't turn it on if I wanted to. But even if I had one and turned it on, no one was gonna be looking at me. So I could do that because I had Nate. Well, now I don't have Nate anymore. So now it's just one podcast a week, Bruce exclusive, write an article, and you have to accept the limitations that come with that. So as the community evolves, it's more important that you understand where your limits are and you just have to make peace with those things early on.
1: It's a great point. I'm going to take a real quick break. Come back plenty more with Joe, Greg, and Bruce.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Sports
1: fans who like to wager, which is pretty much everyone these days, I'm here to tell you about OddsTrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. If you're looking for a one-stop space on these interwebs to compare odds, live up to the minute, look no further than Odds Trader. Why is OddsTrader so valuable to you? Well, for starters, it's the perfect place to compare betting odds and lines from all the major sports books. Why does it matter? Well, it matters because if you're liking a team, you want to throw down some cash on them, you're getting your choice of what's getting you the best odds, the best lines. It's a chance to find the highest payouts if you're betting the underdogs or profiting the most if you're going to go with the favorites. Odds Trader also allows you to compare all the different sign-up codes and promos from the sportsbooks to get the best deal out there for you. If that's not enough, the Odds Trader app gives you the player stats, key game stats, injury reports, projected game day weather, which could be a huge thing to know in certain situations. Odds Trader also has a bet tracker so that you can keep records of all your games that you have wagers on and all your betting activity. Simply put, Odds Trader gives you quite literally everything you need to make the most informed bets humanly possible. If you're into betting on sports games, any sport, by the way, make sure you go to OddsTrader.com slash BlueWire. Again, that's OddsTrader.com slash BlueWire. OddsTrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. All right. I'm back with Joe Marino, Greg Thompson, Bruce Nolan, third annual podcasters roundtable. You know what? I could sit here for hours and sing your praises and how, you know, everything that you guys have accomplished and all the good things that you do. Let's start with you, Greg. Give me, talk about an area of podcasting or content creating that maybe you look around at some of your colleagues or just, you know, you look, you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, this is something that I'm still struggling with. Something that might be a little bit frustrating, something that you feel like, you know, you still need to improve at."
3: So for me, I, I have always been like this. I, I have negative artistic ability, like not even neutral, like my choices in the artistic space from graphics, you know, borders out, like it's a net negative. Like I usually make the wrong choice. Oh my God, it's terrible. Um, I'm like, whatever the artistic version of tone deaf is, I'm I'm that. So I, I marvel at people who can make really eye catching thumbnails and graphics and overlays and borders and all the different things that go along with it. And A lot of that is a big part of our shows. Like you can have pretty dynamic content, but unfortunately you got to get people to click the video. And the first thing they see before they see any video is a thumbnail or a graphic or a logo or a picture. And it's, it's tough to, to be able to do that. So obviously I'm blessed to have a partner like Aaron, who is incredibly creative and very, very good at it. And I've actually tried to teach myself, and he's gotten me to a point where I'm like semi-functional. Most of his like idiot proof templates that he builds for me, and I just swap swap out the wording and you know slide in a new picture. Um, but it's it's really a part of, you know, Bruce talked about just acknowledging your skill set. I know I'm never gonna be good at it. I know I can follow directions. I can you know, get a head start from someone and then make it functional. But it's just an area that I struggle with immensely and I know is an important part, especially as Joe talked about on YouTube, your thumbnail matters. Like that's a big piece of like, hey, which one you click next to watch. It's that stupid little picture in the big you know sea of, of pictures that are out there. There's a reason you're going to pick one over the other. And if you don't have the right colors, the right fonts, the right uh, font size, and it's not capturing that person's attention, somebody else is going to get clicked instead of you. So um, that's something that I struggle with and that I'm trying to get better at, but certainly try to steal as much as possible from t- more talented people. Than
1: <laughs> what about you, Bruce? For all the positive things, you know, all the good things you bring to the, to the table with content creation, like I said, a lot of people uh, like like your content. What's something that you feel like you need to improve on? Maybe other people don't
2: see it, but you do. In addition to sharing Greg's incredible lack of artistic ability, um, my wife and I were having a, uh, a discussion just a couple hours ago where we were pulling cards out of a a game that is designed to help you get to know people. And we were like, hey, this is fun. You know, we were married for a long time, but let's do this anyway. And one of them was, what was the school subject you were worst at? And the answer for me was art. Art was just a horrible, horrible failure of mine. But one of the other issues that I continually run into is that I don't play well with search engine optimization. I fully recognize that I'm supposed to title my episodes things like top 10 draft needs. Like I know I'm supposed to do that, I just refuse. Um it's one of those things where I just don't I don't do what the algorithm wants me to do and it's a it's a it's a matter of being dogmatic. So I am dogmatic. I am not morally flexible. I never have been. Um, What's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. And I am not flexible in any sort of way when it comes to these things. So dogmatic, preachy, all of these things I fully accept. But the problem is it also seeps into things that I fully recognize that I'm doing things that will, again, you notice know, this trend here, I'm doing things willfully that will harm my ability to reach more listeners. <laughs> Gosh, why don't more people listen to the Bruce Exclusive? Well, maybe if you did this, well, no, I refuse to do those things. Well, maybe if you went live, well, I don't want to do live. Well, maybe if you did video, I don't want to do video. Well, maybe if you called your episodes what you are nah, I'm not going to call my episodes. Well, then you can't complain that nobody's listening to your show. And that's, that's the line. And so for me, it's something I struggle with but I'm making peace with it. I'm making peace with the fact that the the follower count is fine and the listener count is fine. And I'm going to do this because I love to do this. And I'm going to call my episode something goofy because I like it. It makes me happy. And so is it going to make it more difficult for the search engine optimization to find me? Yes. Is it going to make it more difficult for me to find my own episodes a year later and go back and go, the name of this show was Eclectic Miner. Does anyone remember what this show was about? It doesn't matter. I enjoy it. That's all that matters. It makes me happy. And in a world that is just absolutely sucked free of its joy. So often I am going to do the little things that make me happy. And I'm going to accept the fact that I'm not going to play nicely with the search engine algorithm. I'm just not going to. (laughs) That was good. What about you, Joe? I'll tell you, I love when uh, Bruce gets riled up to the point where
4: where the Richard Dreyfus in What About Bob comes out of Bruce. And I've shared that with him. (laughs) like one-on-one and we got it right there when you said, if it makes me happy, you know, I was like, I was like, right there. I am. What about Bob? There he is. He's yelling. He's yelling at Bob Wiley right there. It was amazing. He's
2: gone. He's never gone.
4: (laughs) Uh, So anytime you get Bruce to do that, that's, that's my favorite. Uh, I'm supposed to be talking about what I'm bad at. Uh, What do I struggle
1: with? Not necessarily bad. Some, yeah. Some you struggle with some, you look at yourself, you're like, you know, I I still know I need to improve at
4: this. Yeah, I know the answer to this. It's social media. My energy for social media is bad right now. Um, and that's not always been the case. I just, I don't enjoy it like I used to. I don't feel like the conversations are very good. Um, people are mean, um, they're rude, and it's not enjoyable. And I know that it's an important part of what I do, right? It's it's huge for me as a, as a personality. It's huge for me to share my content and my energy for it is just not very good. And so I need to, uh, I need to overcome that. But I I know that's an area of, of what I do as a content creator that is lacking. I mean, I track my data. Uh I've been tracking my Twitter stats month over month and compare them for I would guess 7 8 years at least at this point point. and I know I know how important activity is and I've just not been I've not had the energy for it that I need to. So, that's that's my that's my spot right now that I got to get better at.
1: One thing I struggle with on this show, um Self-promoting. I, I don't know why. Like if I'm on Twitter or something, I could promote fine. But like when I'm on, when I'm doing an episode of Talking Buffalo podcast, it's sometimes it's hard for me to, to remember, either to remember or to want to say, you know, make sure you're following us on YouTube and smashing the like button and subscribe it. I know how important it is. I just, that's something I struggle with sometimes, just being able, for whatever reason, to being able to self-promote, getting people. I feel like I'm already asking people a lot, to, you know, just to come watch the show or to come listen to the show as it is. And then you're asking them to, which I understand. Again, you have to do it, but to like and subscribe and follow it on the audio side itself. What's up, Greg? So I'll
3: I'll chime in on that particular piece because I've gotten myself very comfortable with it, mm-hmm. and I've done so by being sincere about it. And it's not. Uh, I don't know who was it uh, talking to one of my best friends. Uh, some people see me interact with burn river sports on Twitter. He's my, my college roommate. We've been best friends for for 20 going on almost 25 years now, Rich Haynes. He was talking about listening to his daughter in the background, pretending to do her own show and pretending to do her own. Cause she watches a ton of YouTube shows and hearing her say, like subscribe, rate and review like in her little girl voice to no one, to not, and, and like, there was no meaning behind that phrase. It was simply a throwaway phrase that you hear other people say. So if you treat it like that, it will simply be that quick. Like, oh yeah, everybody asks for that. That's just a thing people say and you move on. So I consciously make it a point to... Whatever, if it's corny or begging or groveling, like I explain why this matters and sure. the hey, the only way for us to survive is for you to go and stop right now. And sometimes I joke about it. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna take a break. While I'm taking a break here, I'm not gonna talk again until you guys go hit the like button. And then I'll you know take a drink and, and like let it pause, you know, just a pregnant pause. That you know, I really appreciate it. This is how we survive. The stupid algorithm they built here, the only way for other people to find out about it, the way that you used to use word of mouth and to go tell people, hey, this is a show I really like. All you got to do is press a button. And when you press that button, you're telling the big Google machine that I like this and you should tell other people about this. And that that's how it works in this space. And that giving a rating or a review is how you're able to express that. So all I can ask is that you take a moment to really, we put in a ton of work for you guys. We try very, very hard to make this content that you enjoy. I appreciate you listening to this. The way that we can grow and bring more people into this fun is for you guys to press the like button and to go and review. And I would rather take an extra second to do that, or an extra thirty seconds to do that, and actually get genuine engagement and people to do it, rather than if you just reel off the, you know, like, subscribe, rate, and review. They will tune out, they won't do it, and it will just move on. So I'd rather do that because it is a necessary evil in this game. Sure. And that I'd rather take a moment to explain it and get that engagement because they understand why. And that it's not some hollow
4: request. Greg, I thought you did a really good job of that on Friday for your first ever Greg Thompson sports show. I I, I thought that was really well done and embodies everything that you just said there. And so with that in mind, everybody please take a moment and uh like the talking buffalo podcast here. Leave a comment. Show our guy some love. It means a lot. Pat's been working on this longer than longer than me. Five <laughs> years on, on the nervous. grind here with yeah so he's an OG man. Show him uh, some
1: love. <laughs> I appreciate that. And seriously Greg, all, all serious aside, that 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 is um that's really good advice for people. So if you're listening, you're watching, take heed to that. Any of you guys just randomly here do you have a podcast routine, like a pre-podcast routine? Is there anything specific that you do, like right before you're ready to start doing a show? And maybe it's just whether it's going over some notes last second, whether it's uh, making sure you know you got a specific drink, or just any kind of like. Do you have any specific? Any of you guys, any specific routine
4: or, or pattern? Fill up the water bottle, put it in front of me. Make sure the pens right here. Got to be able to pick it up and do my lead corso if necessary. And then I'll, I'll make sure that the house is going to be quiet. You know, I got a three-year-old around here. So we try to get these recorded when she's not home. But if uh, she is home, we make sure that there's a plan for the uh, the noise to not be there. So it's it's kind of checking those boxes to make sure that I'm in a good spot where I'm not sitting here trying to talk. And then I hear noises in the background. And it distracts me. And that's not really going to work out well. So those are some of the things that I, I'm mindful of.
3: Super similar. Check in. Make sure everything's set up. Kids are in bed. Say goodnight. Everything's good that way. Water And then I, I actually do a little bit of some breathing exercises just mm. to make sure I'm like, Would I you demonstrate have... those for
4: us, Greg, please. We, we need to see these. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I,
3: I genuinely do like a count. I, I count and control my breaths in and out for um, not long, but probably like a three to four minute period. And just to make sure I'm calm, collected, everything's together. It's something I actually do often before big presentations, before all kinds of different, um, events, especially speaking to work, something I picked up a long time ago career wise. And I still do that now and, and do that to just control
4: my breath, control myself, puts me in a good space. Have you ever tried to record a podcast and you were out of breath and didn't know it? And you start talking and like, you're like, oh my God, like I, I was like, I came down the stairs a little fast there. <laughs> and, I've, and I've, you know, I, I just not like, I'm, I'm not ready for this. I've had, I've had to like back out and like, whoa, I gotta get, I gotta get my heart rate down a little bit here.
3: No, I, I think it's, it's spot on. It's, it's easy to catch yourself doing that sometimes mm-hmm. if you get like excited about a topic or, or something goofy. Uh, it happens to me more so in the post game shows <laughs> than in, uh, than in other space. But yeah, yeah, you can.
1: To Joe's point about losing your breath. I literally have COPD and then one of these bad boys are are handy with me. So I, that happens to me a lot. Look, listen, we've all done shows where we've had notable guests on our shows and uh, you get comfortable doing this repetition and just getting used to it. But if you guys had like a guest on your show previously that like, I don't want to say necessarily nervous, but maybe a little more amped than normal. Even once you got this down, you know, like early on on this show, I had a lot of bigger name guests that I would be pacing for hours, just thinking about it before Then I got used to it, but you know, you still get a guest every now and then you kind of get a little more amped up to talk to them.
2: I don't really have guests almost ever. I think I have like one or well, two guests Nate. a year. Um, a so it's not really anything that pops up. One of the things that Nate and I agreed on before we started doing food for thought is, okay, you're going to book all the guests because I don't want to talk to people. So you're going to have to bring those people on. And then now that we're not doing that anymore, I really don't have to worry about it too much. I I, I don't think I I literally cannot remember the last time I had a guest on the Bruce exclusive. I think it was last offseason sometime. I had Chris Trapasso on. And at some point this off season I'll have one or two more guests. And then I'll go an entire year without having them on again. And I just kind of let's stay in my little bubble, you know, not really try to you know it's it's a little bit like you know the dating scene you know if I wasn't set up with my future wife I don't think I'd even be with anybody at this point because somebody else basically just forced me to do it and they said hey I got a blind date she's a great girl you should go out with her I said okay fine I will otherwise I'm gonna stay in my little bubble it's the same way with me and guests I have lots of great ideas for shows I could do with a guest but that would require me to reach out and potentially (laughs) get rejected so I just don't
1: What about you, Joe? Or, or Greg? You guys, and by the way, Bruce, you've had plenty of good guests on when you were doing the show with Nate, at least anyway. But um about you guys, is there a guest that you could think of that like again, not like wow, I'm not going as far as say like butterflies or anything, yeah. but you know, just a little little more amped up than normal, like a really good guest that you were pumped to talk to. Yeah,
4: I think first of all, I think one of the most important things that you can do if you have a guest on your podcast and, and Bruce and Greg can tell you that I do this is I, I give them an outline and I tell them exactly what we're going to talk about so they can be prepared. And I, I try to give them at least 48 hours worth of time to think about sure. like what's going to be on the plate. And so you could set yourself up for success by giving them the opportunity to be aware. I mean, Pat, you did the same thing. We were aware of the things that you were going to ask us today. And you know what that meant? I got to spend some time thinking about what I was going to say and it's appreciated on my behalf. And, and I think it leads to better discussions. Um, but you know, I have to do crossover Thursdays on locked on Lockdown bills during the season where I have to have a conversation with the host of the locked on podcast that is facing the bills that week. And, you know, I, I find myself in situations where the other host is just they're off on a detail. Uh they have the wrong takeaway about something. And I'll be honest with you, I just leave it. I just leave it in there. And, and I mean, if you're if you're not prepared to to speak to both fan bases, then that's on you and they're gonna know. <laughs> and yeah. so so I think I mean I think there's two things you can do. Like I said, make sure your guests are prepared, and then, you know, in my particular situation, where I think when things don't always go the way I, I want them to, well, that's on you. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair.
3: Um, oh, you know, I do greatly appreciate Joe's outlines when he sends them. They're very nice. They're top notch. Uh, <laughs> Fantastic the, uh, outlines. Yeah, they're 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 great. Um. And I'll, when you have people like that, and mine's not like butterflies wise, but I I emulate the Ringer and what Bill Simmons created with the Ringer, where how it started, what it's branched off into, and the reason is he's simply created a forum for people to talk about what they're passionate about, and it's gone in crazy different directions. The amount of stuff that they have, and the amount of the directions they've gone. And I try to pride myself on having a high degree of energy and, and and fun in the way they do it. And one of the people on their platform that I think is unbelievable in the amount of energy that he brings is Danny Hyphens. And I've had him on a couple of times. I had him on as my first guest on my new show. And it's because even someone who prides himself on being able to be, you know, dynamic and, and having high energy, Danny's like at a 15 on the scale of, of 10. And... I love being able to talk to people like that, that I know are going to have just a ton of energy and enthusiasm in what they do. And it's why he's successful. It's why he's gotten into more and more of the shows that they do, but it's, it's fun to be able to have people like that on, that I know are going to approach it in a way that I not only respect and and, and like, but that I enjoy and that it's going to make it more fun.
1: Um, let me start with you with uh, Joe or Joe with this one. So we try not, to make it the, you know, the end all be all. And I'm talking about page views and downloads and analytics and stats. You know, you try not to put all that much stock into it, but, uh, or at least get obsessive over, it, you know, but we all have episodes or even stretches, look care who we are, where you feel like you're putting in the work, you're really happy with it. And it just doesn't perform as well. You know, like, how do you handle that? And how much do you, and again, I understand that to a certain extent, we all have to care. You can't say you don't care at all about page views and downloads. Cause I think that's a lie if you were to say that, but like, what do you do? How do you handle when you're on a little bit of a, I don't want to say a, a slump with viewers, but we all get times and stretches where, you know, the numbers drop a little bit and sometimes you can't really figure out why, like, is there something specifically you do to handle that? How do you handle it? And how much do you pay attention to the
4: numbers? Well, not to go full Josh Allen here, but I just try to focus on what I control, you know? So, yeah. No, but really, I mean, I think that's, that's what it is. I can focus on what I can control, my effort, and trying to deliver a podcast that's worth pushing play on. And I know that I ask a lot of my audience. I deliver a podcast five times a week, and so um, yeah, I'm aware of that. And so I try to make it worth everyone's time to the best of my ability. I think the hardest part for me that's, that's outside of my control is when the Bills lose a football game. And when the Bills lose a football game, listenership is down. And, and I mean, I've done this long enough and um, I know the impact. It's about a 30% dip the following week for the entire week just because the Bills lost a football game. And so now, now not only am I annoyed that the Buffalo Bills lost a football game, but it hits me in my paycheck, right? And, and, and sure. what, what bothers me about that is the most meaningful conversations I'm going to have on the podcast are the ones that come after losses and in that week. And my effort's not any different it's it's probably more for let you know and just for less people to listen and, and for that to turn into less money right and less less in the paycheck and so that that's that's um that's the hard that's the hard one in and, and i don't know what to do about that um but it's just the reality of the situation the bills lose a game and and people people kind of tune out for
2: the week Rabbi, you bruce i think it's always really important that you never lose track of your why when you're doing this Uh, And I think that when the stretches get tough, I think that there's a natural inclination to start to compare and comparison, of course, is the enemy of joy. We all know that social media has taught us that It has exposed that about our society that we love to compare ourselves to others so we can feel like crap. We love feeling like crap. It's why we do it. If we didn't love to do it, we would stop doing it. But the truth is that we love to do it. We love to feel like garbage. And so when I first got to Buffalo rumblings, I was very, very, very concerned with the numbers. And the reason that is because I wanted to prove they made the right call. I wanted to prove that I belonged, that you took a podcast. That was, I think Nick and I's final podcast without Buffalo rumblings got 212 listeners, which is not a lot. And I wanted to prove to them. Now, Buffalo Rumble was still a fairly, fairly small um, pot outfit when I got there, but it was markedly bigger than what I was used to. And I wanted to desperately prove to the people who put their faith in me that I was worthy of that faith, that I was worthy of being on their network, and that I was going to show up and put a good product out and I had earned my spot. And that was my why. That was why I cared about that. And now that we're four years later and I've established myself as someone who is at least okay in this spot, right? At the very base minimum, you can say, okay, you know what? He at least he's okay in this spot, wherever you want to put me on the, on the Mount Rushmore or behind, I don't care, but I've established myself as someone who can be in, I can play in this space. This stuff matters a lot less to me now because I don't have the why anymore. The why was to prove that they made the right call, that I was worthy of being on the network and that I could contribute and be part of that team and do something meaningful. And now that I've done that, I don't need to be bigger than Greg. I don't need to be bigger than Joe. I don't need to be bigger than anybody now. I've, I, I've proven it to the people who mattered to me. And the people who mattered to me were the people who signed up, who said, Bruce, yes, we like your podcast. We would like you to come on here. They reached out to me and they believed in me. So I want to reward that faith. Now, I just want to do a good job. And you know what? Just like Joe said, the good job isn't determined by my viewers and my listeners because I could do the best podcast in the world. And If it happens to come outside of a bill's loss, it's going to get less views, less listens. That's not a reflection of how good I am. We don't need to tie up our worth in that because some of my best stuff, some of the stuff that people are still reaching out to me about about a podcast that I did last year, man, that, that one podcast you did after that loss, man, that really meant something to me. I I go back and I listen to it sometime when I need to get my head, right? That podcast was one of the worst listened to podcasts of the entire season, but it was probably my best work. That doesn't determine how good I am anymore. The listens don't determine how good you are anymore. That's not how this works. So in a trend, would you like to keep growing? Sure. Yeah. You'd like to keep growing. But you can't get on the roller coaster, man. You can't do it. You can't do it because there's so many things outside your control and you're going to lose track of your why you're going to get stuck in the nitty gritty. You're going to get stuck in the granular and you're going to be jumping up and down on top of the mountain one week and on the bottom of the valley the next. And it's just, it's bad. It's just bad for you all around. So for me, I just stay with the why. And the why is I like doing this. And if I stop like doing this, liking to do this, I won't do it anymore. I'll just say, you know what? i want to pull a kyle orton my final podcast will be all right guys i gotta go grab my wallet and then poof dead air after that and uh, you'll uh, never hear from me again i By believe the time the pod drops the the social media will be deleted right that's the way it'll be and because i want i'm not, I'm not having fun anymore i don't like it anymore but for before my why was i need to prove that i belong now my why is i like doing it and if i don't like doing it i won't do it anymore so just we gotta stay true to the why during the ups and downs of the analytics and the ups and downs of the numbers. And if you do, you know, you you refuse to get on the roller coaster. I want to add, too, that a lot of people, again, who are watching or
1: listening to this are either people who are podcasting now or people who are thinking about starting a podcast. And when you do obsess over numbers, it is hard. Because honestly, especially, you know, being a completely independent, I don't have any brand or anything. When I first started, I remember, you know, putting a, a clip up on YouTube and getting 22 views or Looking at the analytics for an early podcast and getting like 130 listens. You know, it can be demoralizing if you obsess too much over the numbers, but at the same token, again, in case, especially like with Joe who does this for a living, and Greg, who is a higher up at Cover One, numbers do mean something. Like, how do you approach it, Greg?
3: So, Bruce is spot on identifying your why. My why is I desperately need to be bigger than Bruce. Um, (laughs) So... (laughs) you know, you touched on it. We're, we're overly sensitive to it at cover one. We all have a chip on our shoulder cause we're completely independent. We have no tether to any other company, any other entity. Um, there are some that I think like to put it out there that they're this ragtag independent group while they're owned by a multi-billion dollar conglomerate that that always chafes me a little bit, but it's, it's something that if you don't, if you're not honest with yourself about it, there's no, there's no way to approach it sincerely and to do that. So, you know, I could lie and say, no, we don't care. We just want to do a good job and be able to make sure that we feel proud of what we're doing. We look at the numbers all the time. We compare them all the time and that, you know, there's times where, we try to do it from a, you know, self-evaluation element and say like, Hey, we're seeing really interesting growth from this channel.
4: What are they doing?
3: Like, what are they doing that we're not taking advantage of? What are they doing that we could be doing better? Um, when I talked about the thumbnails and we've looked at some of those, wow, that's, it's really eye catching and, and, uh, dynamic and, um, the way that they approach things is, is creative. We like that. There's others that will look at and say, okay, you know, they've seen a big dip or they see a huge, um, buoy from this particular show that, that, you know, goes along here. So they're really strong in that area, but, you know, maybe not as consistent in these. And we'll try to evaluate it to do what things could we be doing better? What things could we be taking advantage of, um, to be able to, you know, continue to push ourselves to improve and to find areas we can be better.
1: Sure. Um, One last topic here that I wanted to hit on. I'm going to ask you guys a question and I want to put it out there for people watching and listening. I gave, uh, I gave you guys like topics that we're going to be talking about. I have no idea what you're going to say if you have an answer, what your answer is going to be or any of that. I say that because I, I kind of got a follow-up at the end with this, but uh, my question, I'll start with you, Joe. Have you had a situation on, you know, one of your shows, whether it's locked on bills or or another one of the shows that you're hosting where somebody said something like so egregious and outlandish and wrong that like you disagreed with it so vehemently that you almost like didn't even know how to react. I'm not asking you to call out this person or anyone specifically. Well, actually, I'm even asking you, ha- has that happened? Can you recall a show that you were chatting with somebody and maybe it wasn't said out of malice or anything? You know what I mean? But just somebody who just their take was just so goddamn awful is almost you didn't even know how to react to it.
4: You know, Pat, I I don't know that I have something here. I I don't think I've been in that spot before. That, like I said, with the crossover Thursdays, there's times where I know the host is just like not aware of a detail or, or speaks mm. incorrectly, and I'm like, all right, dude, like you, you need to be better prepared. But I've never been in that type of spot where I've felt that type of way. Now with draft dudes, that's a different type of animal for me because we have a producer that's very keenly tuned into what I say. And there's been plenty of instances where he'll come to me afterwards like, hey, I'm taking that out. I'm taking that out. I'm taking that out because, like, I just feel like it was poor taste or, like, you weren't sensitive enough to a particular topic. But never never quite how you phrased it, Pat. I got to be honest with you.
1: That's fine. Either of you guys, have you had a show where somebody were, it was, like, to that extent?
4: So, I, obviously,
3: all of us are aware of the situation that the guys over at um, uh, Trainwreck experience. That's what, yeah, that's I, what, I've never had anything to that degree where it was, obviously we had a discussion with our entire team afterwards of, Hey, here are some ideas. Here are some things. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, it's really hard to tell yourself how you would react in a situation, right? If you haven't been in that situation and it's always easier in hindsight, all of us are brilliant in hindsight of what we would have said, it's hard when you're in the moment, and the only way to do that is preparation when you talk about you know disaster recovery, emergency response plans, uh, things like that. The reason you do them at work and in any organization in the team is so that you've thought about it before and gone through the motions before. So nothing of a serious nature. I have had one particular when you sent other thing for this, I, I thought about it, one particular where I had somebody on our show, we've had him on quite a few times. I like him, but we were going down a path where I could tell it was his support of particular player or two and that it was so outlandish that, you know, I'm you don't actually believe that you're I, like, I get it. You're supporting your guy. You know, you you're emotionally invested or whatever it might be even beyond that with promoting this guy and his opportunity to play this role or to be, to matter this much. And it, I had to like, in real time in my mind while he's going off about this person could be x i had to question do i risk my relationship with them coming off you know uh in a and ta- and not you know one i could come off antagonizing or two come off very you know just aggressively in the questioning like Wait, oh, hold on a second. Like, do you do you really mean what you just said? And I, I ultimately didn't. I pushed back a little bit in some of the things, or even made a little bit of a, a sarcastic joke about it afterwards. Um, but it in the moment I went through that thought process of like, do I let him say what he just said? Because that's ridiculous. But I also like him a lot and I appreciate him coming on and doing the things he does. And it's just like Joe said, I I decided more so to kind of let it breathe because i knew that it wasn't going to come out the way the way he said it um and i ultimately just let you know history you know prove itself but i i remember that thought process as he's saying it to be like do i jump in here do i question him do i challenge this because that's ridiculous
2: anything bruce yeah i had a similar situation to what greg had um Nothing, you know, horribly egregious, just a take that I thoroughly disagreed with. And I think that in that moment, what Greg experienced and what we all kind of have to go through a little bit is that this has been a, a very take environment. This is a, a take centric environment, right? I want my takes to be good. I got to my takes out there. got to make sure my takes are loud. got to make sure my takes are well thought of. And this is way more of a human business than it is a take business. And sometimes we lose sight of it it just is. And so I am more than willing to allow someone to have an opinion than a take that I thoroughly disagree with. So the only thing that I care about in that scenario is that if I'm hosting this and I want to have somebody on and they have a take is I just want the take to be well explained. So I will ask for clarity. I will ask for follow-up questions. I will do that the same way that I would want to make sure that if I was giving a take solo that I checked all the boxes right? Here's why I think this take, here is the full evaluative part of the take. Here is the reason why I think this take, here is my ramifications of this take. Here's the logical extrapolation of this take. I'm going to quote unquote push for that same level of clarity from them that I would expect of myself. But ultimately it's still about just making sure that take is well-communicated, not whether or not I love to take, to yell at him about that take. If this was a scenario where I was bringing someone on with the idea that we were going to debate a topic, then that's fine. This goes back to what Joe was talking about earlier, that when you send an outline out and you say, we're going to talk about this and this and this and this and this, and then he has a take and you jump down his throat about it. That's not going to be a good time, folks. Right. Getting blindsided with a debate you did not realize you were supposed to be in is not good podcasting. You are not going to have healthy debate. Congratulations, you got your dunking, you lost sight of the fact that this is still a human business. So congratulations on winning the take war, but you lost the human one. So this is, we we just care way too much about human opinions and not nearly enough about humans. So for me, I have this person on, they say something I thoroughly disagree with, I'm going to make sure that if that take is not well rounded. I might ask a follow-up to get it well-rounded, make sure he polishes it up, give him an opportunity to kind of polish up that take. But that's his take. That's not my take. And so if a listener then emails me after the show, how could you possibly let him say this? Well, you clearly disagreed with him. Was there, were you swayed by this? Obviously not. You were so upset you emailed me. So I'm fine with that. Not everybody has to think the way that I think. So for me... When it comes to it just being a difference of opinion, then that's that. As far as the situation that Greg talked about with train wreck, I've never been in that situation before. So I'd love to tell you that I'd react in X, Y, and Z way. And you know what? I've never been in that scenario before. So you do the best you can in that moment. If you're caught blindsided and you have two seconds to react, we, we all like to think we'd say a certain thing a certain way and be very eloquent about it. That's what we all tell ourselves. But the truth is we might not. We might freeze up. We might clam up. We might be in shock about what has just come out of somebody's mouth. So I don't know. We try and show, try and show humans some grace and try and show ourselves some grace too. I wanted to say,
1: circling back to what Greg said and what you expanded on, Bruce, and this is kind of why I wanted to end by asking, you know, asking you guys this question and hitting on this topic. People who are interested in content creation or doing it and watching or listening to this, feel like they're learning a lot, you know. Things you should do and you don't do. And I wanted to bring that up about train wreck sports. And I want to be really clear about this. I like train wreck sports. I like those guys. They work hard. They're they're grinding. They're they're doing a good job. And we're referring to Jerry Sullivan, what happened? And I agree with Greg. So for people who may be a little bit lost, but I'm talking about they had Jerry Sullivan on immediately after a, a really dumb press conference question that Sully asked um Josh Allen. And then I'm not going to get into all the details on train wreck sports, but Jerry said something really highly inappropriate uh, about women being cheerleaders. We all know that I'm not here. And none of these guys are here either to play judge, jury and executioner with what Jerry said or did in the moment train wreck sports, the guys um, it was, it was Zach and, um, and Alex, they kind of froze a little bit in the moment. Like they were just kind of, like, it was such shock and awe. And they're just like, you know, before quickly trying to move on and, and to Greg's point, And I agree. It's easy now in hindsight to say, oh, I would have did this. I would have I cut this interview off. I would have followed up with this and that. It's easy to say that after the fact. And what I'm trying to say here for everyone watching and listening, and, and even these guys, we're always trying to learn. You know what I mean? Learn from what you see with other people, being a student of the game, so to speak. And now you see something like that, and now you, you know maybe in the future because of something like that that happened, you would be able to uh, be a little more better equipped to handle something like that because again I could sit there and say easily oh I would have cut I would have cut Sully's ass off I would have you know what I mean I would have said you can't say that that's completely wrong I like to think I would but I don't know that for sure because I had never thought that something like that was going to happen on on the show before so I've never had anything like that happen to me on the show and I know you guys haven't either so anyway I guess for people watching and listening it's just my point to kind of be a student of the game and and see things that happen and learn from them I know I'm confident that train let uh, train wreck. Learn from that mistake. You know what I mean. If something like that happens again, they'll approach that differently. I learned because of that. So we're all human. We all make mistakes, and I just learn from them. You know. So on that, note, that that's where we're going to leave this, man. This is very useful. Like I said, three of the very, very best in this business. Greg Thompson. Follow him on Twitter at Greg Thompson. Cover one Buffalo podcast with Aaron Quinn and the Greg Thompson sports show Friday nights, Bruce exclusive. Follow him. What do I got to name your guys? Twitter. Everyone already follows you guys a lot more than they do me. So anyway, Bruce exclusive on the Buffalo rums. And of course my man, Joe Marino at the Joe Marino checked out locked on bills. A great Buffalo bills podcast, man. Thank you guys so much. I, I really do. I appreciate you. And uh, I know a lot of people who are, are watching and listening to this, they got a lot to learn from you guys as well. So, Thank you guys very, very much.
3: Genuinely one of my favorite shows every year. We appreciate you inviting me on.
1: Thank you. All right, guys. Take care. Be back tomorrow night. uh, Live show, Imperial Pizza with Tyler Dunn. Talk to you soon.